fine. All right. Good Good afternoon, I guess. It is 12 o'clock on the dot here, Friday, January 15th for the weekly outreach podcast hosted by uh, Mount Washington Avalanche Center. This is Andrew Drummond with Frank Karras. Got a lot, a lot going on. We have a storm coming in. I was just looking on my phone here. And if you don't follow the Avalanche service here on their Instagram, they just announced that they're starting their advisories starting off today. So it's a little complicated getting this out later than we, we wanted to because Frank was was busy troubleshooting, getting things sorted out up, yeah, up, was, up at Pinkham Notch, were you? I wasn't. I was at home sorting oh. it out where I have better access to the internet, but it was definitely a some hair pulling out moments trying to make the new website system work and uh, i'll apologize to anyone who signed up for the uh forecast by email our email server um system that we're using for some reason wouldn't allow me to send the forecast by email so as always the website is our main our main product everything else is kind of icing on the cake and a convenience product so uh, hopefully we'll have that sorted out by tomorrow when the big show really starts yeah, before we talk about that, you know, it wasn't a quiet week by any means up up, uh, up in your neck of the woods, up at, in Tucker Ravine. Uh, front page news had a pretty scary long sliding fall in the ravine, if people aren't aware of that. It, uh, we just talked about this in the other podcast about people trying to down climb on the Tuckerman Ravine Trail over the headwall. And I don't know, I, I knew some people that were out last weekend that witnessed this incredibly scary uh, what were some of the what's some of the the details on that incident? Yeah, these two guys were actually heading up the Tux Trail, believe it or not. Um, usually it is, like you said, folks descending from the summit looking for an alternative to get down instead of the summer or winter lionhead route. And um, they, I guess, had done this several times. Uh, I talked to the guy up there on the ledge above the open book water um, waterfall, frozen waterfall about it. And, you know, he said he'd done it several times and in his micro spikes, I guess he managed to get away with it when the snow was softer. Um, but those guys got part way out. And my guess is looking at the tracks, they got, um, right above where people typically drop into the lip, you know, the area between those two kind of steep ice bulges and, you can see the density change in the snow, even from a distance. There's like some wind deposited snow that's a little softer. And then there's that old darker gray old surface. My guess is they stepped out onto that and the track seemed to indicate that's where they, the one guy started falling, which sort of spooked the other guy somehow into falling as well. So guy number one fell over the, the ice bulges there. You can see the tracks clearly long sliding fall kind of human starfish tracks in the snow and he launched over the open book ice climb which is at this point is partially buried but it's a solid 40 feet 40 foot plus feet and uh head first downhill on his back then landed on the steep snow below that point and uh you know miraculously stood up like eyewitnesses that um, spoke on it later were like yeah we were sure he was dead um, and then the other guy slid part of the way down um, it looks like he may have had a ski pole I'm not sure exactly there's a ski pole that I you know was got got left behind up there and his mittens were also scattered on the slope above so I think he just scratched his 
way to a stop and stopped right at the top of the open book. Um, I mean, right there. It was like a movie, you know, like where the protagonist's car is teetering on the, oh, the, the edge of the bridge about to fall in the river, you know. And uh, so we got the call. Somebody came running down. We were doing beacon beacon practice, trying to sort through our new firmware updates on our beacons at Hermit Lake. And got the call and sent two of us up as hasty medical team and the other three of us went up um, with ropes and technical gear to go retrieve the other guy and get him down safely. And yeah, it's a close call. I went up on Monday and I saw the bomb hole as you enter the ravine below open book. And I was like, no way. I mean, first you're like, oh, that's definitely from him. Then you got close and you're like, oh, that must be a piece of ice. But if you went all the way over where we you're saying, then that was 100%. I just didn't see a ton of tracks up to get him out of there, but if he just tiptoed, if he was able to get up and walk to the trail or... Yeah, it might have been... Oh, you were there on Monday. Yeah, we... Um, yeah, you might have seen it. We, we approached from the side, so we, like, went up. Um, we crossed over Chicken Rock Gully, and um, there was a bomb crater for sure above one of those upper bulges and um, pretty clear, you know, signs of struggle um, in the snow. I'm kind of, we're both making light of this because they're fine. Obviously it was, it's pretty, the guys learned an important lesson and think, um, so it can be kind of humorous in retrospect. Well, it's like people tuning in here most likely want to hear about skiing and, but we are traveling on foot quite a bit. So it's, it's like a lesson that we all can, uh, Lot of, you know, there needs to be lots of reminders on complacency and traveling and technical terrain and the yeah. variability and how dynamic it is, especially totally. early season like this. Yeah. A lot of falls happen for, you know, even experienced skiers on foot. And, you know, a lot of people get avalanche too skiing on their way up. In fact, I forget what the figures are, but it's quite high. It's like 30 or 40% or something. People get um, caught and carried in, in touring mode, you know, heading uphill. So it's good to think about, and it's good to think about what your strategy is from, you know, how you're carrying your skis on yourself to how you manage two different poles and an ice axe at the same time, you know, like, do you know how to like poke your ski pole into your pack between your back and your body in such a way that you can really effectively manage your ski poles, your ice axe, you know, um, there's a lot of little details there on that, um, ascent that, you know, guides and instructors can teach you or, or they can watch you. No, we'll start doing our little pro tips. How to do your samurai sword <laughs> pole transfer. Totally. Sometimes if I don't have a... I've been caught, I'll admit, without a, a an ice axe, you know, when I should have one. And I've had my shovel out um, as a self-arrest tool, you know, and I'll just poke it between my back and my my backpack so I can whip that thing out or even climb with that and one pole and then have the other pole like hanging down between your shoulder blades so that it's hooked, the basket is hooked on your shoulder blades and your poles hanging down. And it's pretty common practice. I think people people look at it, especially if it's an ice axe, like, oh my God, you're going to cut your own head off if you fall like that. But generally it's pretty loose and you're doing everything you can at this point, you know, to reduce your chance of falling by staying organized and keeping your gear tidy. So, so yeah, those are, those are kind of good. Right, Good we'll, little tricks. We'll get on the uh, MWAC educational reels on Instagram or something. You guys, yeah, I think that's a great idea. Um, 
just this, now that we're talking about it, it's just like these little tips. Yeah. Your mountaineering tips. Because like I would never would have thought to use my shovel as a self-arrest yeah. device. So. Yeah. And it's great if it's super steep and you kind of box yourself in and you're like, oh, I got to put my skis on, but it's really hard and I don't, I have no platform. I can't even stomp one out. If you got your shovel out, you're just like quickly cut a platform and you're, and you're laughing, you know, you can That's sit right. down you and can have do some your... community service, build like the, the most bomber platform for the next totally. people coming up with a little timing gate installed for your... mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well anyway, that incident happened and it's, of course it's a good wake up call again, as always that we're in uh, technical terrain. And even though we've had a low tide winter, it's icy and technical out there and yeah. these falls happen. Um, but changing gears, looking forward to this weekend. We have a storm coming in that uh, there's a lot to talk about there. Obviously, you're, you're, you are forecasting for it. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about this weekend. Yeah. Start of the five scale. Um, before I, I want to circle back one more thing, one more comment on that event. Um, during the rescue, as I was crossing Chicken Rock Gully from Lunch Rocks to go over to do the rescue, I had somebody basically just drop in directly on top of me. Um, like right overhead, his slough hit me. He made a turn probably 10 feet away from me and I really lost my temper. So first of all, I apologize to that guy who was filming. I hadn't, he didn't have the audio turned on, fortunately, but I saw his video. I bumped into it on Instagram and I yelled at him pretty soundly, um, for dropping in on me. And, uh, you know, I just think that's not a ski kind kind of thing to do. He could have easily stopped at the top. And, and I guess I could have been kinder and not yelled at him. But I think it's a good reminder for everybody to remember that we're not at a ski resort. You know, no one needs to be in a hurry. You know, you can wait. He, he could have waited like 30 seconds. I would have been out of harm's way. Um, and obviously, no, nothing happened. He didn't hit me. But, you know, that's the last thing certainly I need to think about while I'm trying to go rescue this guy with unknown injuries at the time. Um, but really just everybody should be considerate of each other. And, you know, I didn't see him coming, um, but I know, you know, once I was committed, I wasn't going to be able to get out of the way in time. So I think just slow it down and let's all try to be nice to each other going forward. And, you know, we saw for while I was dealing with that rescue up there at the belay, watching four guys drop in to shoot and um you know at the same time there were two people directly in the middle of the choke down below so you know we're all we're all compressed into a small area right now particularly due to the slow snowpack i would say that we're going to get you know more snow and expanded terrain but there's still a lot more people in the mountains than there used to be so everyone try to stay out of the fall line and if you can just wait and let people get out of the way of the fall line you know we've thinking back to incidents like um the double fatality and gulf of slides in 98 um there was someone walk you know up high in that start zone in main gully that triggered the avalanche that killed the two people below him who were right in the who were hiking up the booter basically so you know just it's there's there's a lot at stake mm-hmm. yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot going on a lot of people a lot of movement just heads up and also gets you thinking about spacing people out and where that booter is is it because sometimes yeah. people just set the 
put it right in a bad, a bad spot. <laughs> so bad. And so feel free to edit it. Everyone should edit the booter. If it's in the wrong spot. Yeah, move it over. Yeah. It'll be gone after a run anyway, usually. So yeah, totally. if it's in the wrong spot. All right. So, so this weekend. Yeah, let's talk weather. So this is an interesting one. Um, looks like plenty of um, QPF or, you know, the plenty of water in the system. Um, quantitative precipitation forecast is what QPF stands for. Um so the you know bad news down low it's not going to help any of our other glades it's going to be probably some mix of slush and rain but up high and um, certainly it sounds as if above four thousand feet not quite clear to me yet about pinkham but it looks as if uh, it'll be an all snow event up in our avalanche terrain so somewhere between eight and twelve inches seems to be um, the total amount and what worried me this morning, writing the forecast as I as I rated the day, um, not just for today, but also for tomorrow, which is new, we're picking a danger rating for the following day. Um, I ended up, um, we ended up agreeing that moderate was really the right call. And that's based on the fact that we're going to have a lot of east wind associated with a storm. So there is no real fetch. There's no snow available to that east wind really to blow in and create the chance for for natural avalanches um at this time that could change obviously by tomorrow morning but um it's important to realize too that unlike a lot of situations where you think well you know wait 24 hours for things to settle after the storm well in this case the wind is shifting to the west and really ramping up on sunday so 24 hours after the storm, the danger rating and likelihood of natural avalanches is actually going to be higher than during the storm. So put that in the, your pipe and smoke it, as they say. Right. It's uh, the the east winds are always tricky, you know, because they're they're not typical. We're always have that prevailing northwest wind, and um, the wind slabs to set up and stabilize is something that usually happens in those those shorter periods and now we're just creating that like you're yeah this is like the after effect and we're going to get some upsloping snow um on that west side after this at the tail end of this event and that stuff's all going to be transported back into some of these all the skiable terrain yep yeah the so east the, side all the storm snow plus that upslope snow and that that upslope snow as a reminder is is always a problem it it is challenging for us at times because it it adds up more than you would expect. It's hard to forecast because it's not a synoptic, like it's not a, a big uh, frontal kind of thing. It's based on just lingering moisture in the atmosphere that's local. Um, and there's going to be a significant amount of that moisture lingering around after the storm blows through. So, you know, just as a reminder, like the rule of thumb in most places is, uh, wind can transport snow and build a slab that's three to five times thicker than the amount of snow that falls out of the sky. In our case, because of that fetch above Tuckerman's, our formula is more like five to 10 times and 10 times being um, a rough and pretty darn accurate measure after we get that 50 to 70 mile magic loading speed, you know, from the West. So, you know, those are the things that that catch people. And that's amazing, the slab that you can get out of a three-foot, or sorry, a three-inch uh, 
amount of snow. Especially in anyone that's seen the terrain that's exposed right now, all the ice and everything else, it's not a great bonding surface. So when the snow's coming in and it just settles nice and light, you know, the east easterly winds, it's uh, it's going to be interesting up there, and it's something that it's going to be touchy and just want to let things let things kind of settle out, let the system move through rather than than force it. I think that's the the message, and it's going to be you know holiday weekend that there's going to be a lot of people looking to ski. It's just the message to get out is, you know, check the forecast, check the bulletin. We'll have obviously like see what happens with the elevation. You can check the Hermit Lake snow plot, see what the they're getting on top of the mountain, but just start to get educated on um, that sweet spot. I think it's like 3000 feet. We always talk about in the previous That's years. It was like, last year, yeah, yeah, it's like 3000 foot seem to be like that snow line. Whereas you're, yeah. t- you're skinning up and you just, things change. You're in, yeah. all of a sudden in winter wonderland yep. and yeah, it can be hard. You can pull into the parking lot and not expect, not expect much until you get up there, but educate yourself as much as you can. And I think that, yeah, the, again, it's very early season. There's not much of a base out there. You know, there's going to be a ton of hazards on the Sherby that mm-hmm. are, that you know, there's sections that we were walking or skiing around and just as well, it's going to, it's skiable, not, not on your brand new skis, but yeah. after this storm, it's going to look a lot different. Hopefully. For God's and, sakes, don't take your new skis. Yeah. <laughs> Mine are still Sounds like you have, have some experience. Yeah, I do. Yeah. The only skinning the, my new skis have seen is happened at black mountain i'm not not taking them out yet tomorrow is a good day for laps on the sherburn with your widest old skis doing wiggle turns mm-hmm. no hockey stops you're gonna blow an edge yeah i know it's it's definitely it's getting better i think there's uh for sure there's some positivity behind that so if, yeah people want to get out there there still aren't a ton of options and if you're listening to this and you're wondering like what the conditions are with any of these these glade zones and and some of the old ski trails they're not they're not in and this will help but it's still going to be pretty um i don't know there's gonna be a lot of hazards there yeah just as a reminder you know that wind is going to ramp up Sunday and blow right through Monday. Um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see that that wind from the west plus continued upslope all day Sunday is. I'm um, I'm anticipating we're still going to have some interesting avalanche problems even on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's more snow, more snow on the way. Certainly better the on the Sherburn on Monday. So I think probably game on it'll be good. Hopefully, a little bit of wind firmed up snow. Um, new snow on the Sherburn and and. New snow too, right? You had Charlie on talking about a pattern change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Like we've got, we're in this sweet spot coming up for for the northeast where we have, you know, that cold, the polar vortex, a chunk of that wobbled off and that's making its way slowly around the globe. And with that cold air means more storms. And that's really what we need to set up some of these bigger, bigger blizzards. Um, initially, Squalls. initially, if we had forecasted into February that it was going to be like a warm up, and I spoke with him last night, and he mentioned that it's looking pretty good for cooler weather. Uh, so I don't know. I'm be patient. I think that's the message. We got more storms on the way. It's it's obviously a good time to get out, but just keep in mind all the hazards involved, everything from the the high alpine avalanche danger to the the sharks below the surface in uh, on the Sherby and and your home all your home uh, backyard nooks. 
Well, great. Anything else we want to touch on? I know we had um, a lot of people tuned in for uh, Mike's talk mm-hmm. um, on Monday. God bless him for staying up till 2 a.m. for that. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, li- live from just outside of Shamini. Could not tell. He was. He has good energy. He does. Uh, but that was that was a great, informative. Good to get his perspective on avalanche terrain and. Uh, yeah. If anybody's curious about that talk, he and I discuss the his use of the European danger rating, and then uh, and then also the avalanche problem chart. Their their avalanche problems are different. So I think he'll, uh, he's going to update that. I think he's got another talk in a few weeks, but not a huge difference, but it was kind of a curiosity to think that that scale is, uh, is different and their avalanche problems are different over there a little bit. They just use wet avalanches. They don't break it down to wet loose and wet slab, which has some merit actually. It's really hard to pick between the two. They both are horrible problems to have. Yeah. Um, and then coming up, what's the next event on that series? Uh, so you can start. Yeah, we got a uh, pro talk Thursday, January twenty first. Um, Nikki Champion of the UAC is going to be is going to be sharing some insight um, with us. Not sure exactly her talk, but they've had some some unique um, weather over in the Wasatch as well. So um, she'll be. She'll be giving that talk on Thursday, the 21st, and then another um, avalanche awareness talk on Monday, the 25th. All this is on our White Mountain Avalanche Community Events calendar on the MWAC website, mountwashingtonavalanchecenter.org. And yeah, we've got a whole bunch more coming up, so check it out. There's one almost weekly for uh, right through March. Excellent. All right. Well, back to it, Frank. Thanks for stopping in. Uh, are you yeah, heading no up problem. or are you heading heading down? Heading up. Heading up. Um, final look at the snowpack and kind of the surface that this new snow is going to be falling on. Gotcha. Followed by a little Nordic skiing. Good. All right. We'll get out, stay active, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Sounds good.